This podcast is made possible by listeners like you. Please be sure to subscribe and share with friends and family. To help support this ministry, please visit walkwiththeking.org forward slash donate. Thank you for listening. All right, thank you very much. And hello again, radio friends. How in the world are you? You doing all right today? Oh, I hope so. Bless your heart. Oh, I know some days are better than others, and some are worse than others, and some days you feel, oh, do I have to get up today and face all that? (laughs) I know how it is. But you can face anything with Jesus. Have you learned that? I can do all things through Christ which strengtheneth me. Which, uh, being brought down to my level, means I can do anything God asks me to do because he'll enable me to do it. You can face the day with the Lord and do it successfully. Thanks be unto God, which always causeth us to triumph. Always a winner, in other words. Always causeth us to triumph in Christ and makes manifest by us the fragrance of his knowledge in every place. Always a winner. Never a loser. With Jesus. Hallelujah. Aren't you glad that's so? (laughs) I am. We've been taking a little detour, a little mini-series, if you will, just sort of a break in between our study of the book of Mark. And uh, we've been in Philippians, just sort of hitting the high spots, you might say. We came through uh, chapter 2, talked about, talked about uh, the, the, uh, the fact that God is working in us to will and to do. He takes care of the want to, and he takes care of the performance, if you let him. There's no such thing as saying, I can't, when you're dealing with Almighty God. I can't. Pray out loud. I can't witness to others. I can't quit this habit. I can't straighten things up in my life. Well, humanly, you're telling the truth, but there is somebody else living within you if you're a believer on the Lord Jesus. The indwelling Holy Spirit of God mediates all of the almighty power of God to you. And so it is God which worketh in you both to will. He'll take care of the want to. He'll take care of the performance of God's perfect will in your life. Never have to say, I can't. Aren't you glad that's so? Believe it and start to live it. Well, then we went over into Philippians 3, and we noticed that when God is working in you, it involves a change in your value system, what things were gain. To me, those I counted loss for Christ, just like so much garbage. And your relationship changes. And then you really know him. And then in sort of explaining that concept, we went over to 2 Corinthians 4, where we saw that there's a new life, a new shine, a radiance, a new message, and a life of service instead of being served. Well, that brought us into the beginning then of Philippians 3.10, Oh, that I may know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings being made conformable unto his death. To know the Lord Jesus means your values change, your relationships change, and your lifestyle changes. Now, what really is involved in all of that? He says, and, to know him and, the power of his resurrection Just for an illustration of what happens when resurrection power becomes real in people's lives, turn with me to the book of Acts, just for a quick look-see in those early chapters, the book of Acts. Prayer, the, 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 the power of his resurrection. They had been convinced 
the disciples and others with them, of the reality of the risen Jesus. He was alive, and he was alive in a body, a body that could talk and touch and eat and be seen and be fellowshiped with. Now, what is the power of his resurrection? First of all, it was power to obey and go back and wait in prayer. Second, it was power to stand up in chapter 2 and and speak of the resurrection of the Lord Jesus. The God of our fathers hath raised up Jesus, whom ye crucified. Be it known unto all the house of Israel that God hath made this Jesus, whom you crucified, both Lord and Christ. Repent, therefore. Chapter 2, power to stand up and speak. Three, power to meet the needs of people where they are. Peter fastening his eyes upon this beggar at the gate of the temple, said, Look at us. And he said, Silver and gold have I none, but such as I have give I thee. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk, and took him by the right hand. Power from God went from Peter into the body of that uh, man. And he, leaping up, stood and walked and entered with them into the temple, walking and leaping and praising God. Dr. Pettengill used to say the testimony of his leaps was better than the testimony of his lips. And so in chapter 5, chapter 4, it, it, uh, it is uh, chapter 4, it's power to face the Inquisition. He said, be it known not if we this day be examined. See, there was an Inquisition there. Of the good deed done to the impotent man, be it known unto you all that by, to all the people of Israel, that by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom ye crucified, whom God raised from the dead, even by him, doth this man stand here before you, well, this is the stone which was set at naught by you builders, which now has become the head of the corner. Neither is there salvation in any other. Power to stand and speak in the face of an inquisition. Power to discern. Chapter 5, Ananias and Sapphira with their scheme to keep part of their money while professing to give it all. Power to face opposition that would result in death. Chapter 7, Stephen, the first martyr. The power of Christ's resurrection. Power to transform. To transform the life of of Saul of Tarsus. Power to meet the need of Cornelius, the centurion, uh, as he was waiting on God for a message. You go right straight on through. You'll find, as you, as you turn the pages of the book of Acts, you'll find the resurrected Christ is the, is the secret of the power that these people had. Power to pray, even in jail, and an earthquake came and loosed Paul and Silas, and the beginnings then of that beautiful church of Philippians were witnessed. All right, power. The power of his resurrection. Now, what actually makes that real in my life. That's what you're asking. It's one thing to talk about it or illustrate it, but it's another thing to experience it. Well, I have to tell you that the Holy Spirit of God is the one who makes all of this real in your life. When he, the Spirit of truth, has come, Jesus said, he shall teach you all things. When the Comforter, whom the Father will send in my name, he shall teach you all things and bring all things to your remembrance whatsoever I have said unto you. And when they bring you before kings and magistrates, Jesus said, Take no thought how or what thing ye shall answer, for it is not ye that speak, but the Spirit of your Father which speaketh in you. When he is come, he will reprove, that means our word convict, 
the world. When he has come to you, see, I will send him unto you. This is John 16, verse 7. I will send him unto you. And when he has come to you, he will reprove the world of sin, righteousness, and judgment. So conviction comes through the Holy Spirit of God. Witness, beautiful witness of Christ. Verse 13, he shall not speak of himself. He shall speak of me. He shall glorify me, and so on. Witness, a beautiful witness comes from the Holy Spirit of God. Answered prayer comes through the ministry of the Holy Spirit of God. Hitherto have ye asked nothing in my name, asking ye shall receive, that your joy may be full. <clears throat> now, the power of, of a risen Christ is found not in talking about him, but in yielding to him as he is made real to you by the indwelling Holy Spirit. When you trust the Lord Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, and you are born from above, when you become a Christian, in other words, the Holy Spirit of God moves into your life. Romans 8 9 says, If any man have not the Spirit of Christ, he is none of his. And 1 Corinthians six nineteen, Paul was talking to the Corinthians, who certainly were in a good deal of trouble in their lifestyle and, and the circumstances of their life. They weren't perfect, in other words. But he said, Know ye not that your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost, which ye have, present tense, have of God, and ye are not your own, for you are bought with a price. Therefore glorify God in your body and your spirit, both of which belong to God. Okay, the Holy Spirit of God dwells within you, beloved. And he, then, is the one who makes the risen Jesus real in your life. Oh, then yield to the Spirit of God consciously. Take care that you don't grieve him. Grieve not the Spirit of God, whereby ye are sealed under the day of redemption. Paul says in, in the book of Ephesians, and he lists some of the things that grieve the Spirit of God. Unclean living and resentment and hatred and unforgiveness and anger, and wrath, and clamor, and evil speaking, and malice, and unkindness, and hard-heartedness. Oh, don't grieve the Spirit of God with these things, but instead yield to him as he speaks to you through the word, and obey him, and he will make known to you the power of this risen Christ of whom we speak. Paul goes on in, in Philippians 3.10 to talk about the fellowship of his sufferings. Now, Philippians 1.29 says, Unto you it is given on behalf of Christ not only to believe on him, but also to suffer for his sake. Uh, Peter, in his letter, said, Don't be surprised concerning the things you have to suffer, but rejoice inasmuch as you're partakers of his glory. Now, it is a fact that Christians do suffer. None of us in this particular culture are being lined up and shot at five o'clock in the morning. Uh, but there are other other ways that pressure is put upon you. There's job pressure, and there's family pressure, and there's peer pressure at school and in the community. And all sorts of things are used to put pressure on you because you're a Christian. Maybe you're the only Christian in your family, and, and it does seem that you can't do anything right. Even if you leave the cap off of the toothpaste tube one morning, somebody's going to come out grumbling and saying, what kind of a Christian is that? Left the cap off the toothpaste. You know, ridiculous things, petty things are used to, to put pressure on you because you're a Christian. Now, he says, don't be upset about that as though some strange thing happened to you, but rejoice inasmuch as you're partakers of Christ's sufferings. What is the point? The fellowship of Christ's sufferings is the small, the minuscule 
microscopic portion of the great divine hurt that he allows you to experience. See, God is hurt because of sin. God is heartbroken because of sin. And he allows you to experience a little of that so that you'll know something of what Jesus felt for you on the cross. The fellowship of Christ's sufferings is what God lets you go through in order that you might understand a little of how he feels about the world's sin and woe and need. Do you understand that? So the next time you have some troubles because you're a Christian, maybe you're passed over for a promotion because people think you're too religious at the office or the shop, or maybe your family gets on your case and is really working you over because they don't like the fact that you are a Christian. The next time you're experiencing pressure because you're a Christian, just look up and say, thank you, Jesus, that I can share a little something of how you must feel over the world's woe and sin. Good idea? Dear Father, today, may we know something of thy great heart of love as we share the fellowship of thy knowledge and of thy sufferings. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Till I meet you once again by way of radio, walk with the King today and be a blessing.